if you're listening to this or watching this on one of our couple of platforms and you'd like to see the links that I reference in this report, this corresponds with a Substack article that I published on my personal Substack at jeffreyrickman.substack.com. You can also find a direct link to this article slash report in the show notes wherever you're watching or listening to this. So consider going there and subscribing to my Substack. You'll be joining over 220 other people who've signed up to receive weekly meditations, uh, pastoral format from me. This is not concerning my whole audience. This is a, a year-end report on the Noada Church, which I serve. Delaware is just very small, and and uh, they are where they are, and they're doing what they're doing. I love them, but Noada is the church that has much greater capacity for growth and engagement. It's where I am the vast majority of the time, and there's a lot happening here that I wanted to make sure that the church people here are familiar with, as well as people abroad who are praying for me and my ministry, as well as for Noada. Um, there are a lot of people who are grateful to this church for allowing me to build a, a large platform that has benefited a lot of churches around the country and the world, and who have given gifts and donations to this church because of that in the last year. So this is for you if you want to know what's going on here. There's also, um, I'm, I'm hoping that this gets passed along to pastors and leaders at small rural churches. Noada is a county seat of a small rural county of uh, around 9,000 people. The town I'm in is around 3,000, give or take. Uh, a lot of people in and out, um, very uh, economically depressed area, not a lot of industry. Wonderful people. I love the people here. I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to move anywhere else. I'm, I'm raising my children here. But even so, there are not a lot of models of successful ministry or even clarity about what successful ministry looks like in an environment like this. So I feel really good about this church, and I want to share why. I want to talk about what we've done in the last year and what the future looks like for us. So if, if you're at all interested in rural ministry or the context of NOWADA or the, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit and what he does in places like this, then I, I think you'll enjoy this. So I, I'd invite you to, to check that out. I'm going to get into the written portion now and just remind you to that if if there are any references I make to stats or or pictures or uh, all those links and stuff should be on the Substack uh, article so you can go there. So here's a report. At this time last year, the church was still affiliated with the United Methodist Church, this church right here in Nowata. And a lot has happened since then, but to understand how big a deal this last year has been, we should first look back. The roots of this church go back to 1892 when this was considered Indian territory before statehood in Oklahoma. And at that time, the property owned and the assembled body here were affiliated with the Methodist Episcopal Church, which was the mainline denom Methodist denomination of that day. And as the denomination merged with the Methodist Episcopal Church South and, Meth and the Methodist Protestant Church in 1939, our congregation followed them into a new denomination, the Methodist Church. In 1968, the Methodist Church merged with the Evangelical United Brethren denomination, becoming the United Methodist Church. So from the beginnings of this church body, it has been affiliated with the largest mainline Methodist entity of its day. In 2023, the Nowata Methodists stopped being a mainline people. Due to the long-attested historically undeniable theological drift within United Methodism's leadership. 
our continued membership in that body just grew untenable. There had already been many chapters of tension in the past between this church and the denomination because of poor decisions from our former conference on what kind of clergy were needed here, as well as how apportionments were asked and given and spent. So even so, the final breaking point came amidst the disaffiliations of over 7,500 other local churches in the U.S. That was in this last year. We were a small part of the largest church schism numerically in the United States ever seen. This was actually a remarkably easy decision for this church to make. We only had one dissenting vote whenever it came time to take a vote. The oldest generation here was galvanized alongside the youngest members as we worked through the reasons why we needed to consider a realignment. And while there was sadness around leaving the only denomination many here had ever known, it was acknowledged by a broad majority that it was time for our affiliation to end and that the United Methodist Church had already actually left us behind. A few months later, we joined the membership of the Global Methodist Church, where more than 4,000 former United Methodist local churches have now affiliated at the start of 2024. We are not an independent church. We have taken seriously the biblical instructions to pursue unity of faith and accountability under shared doctrine with other believers. And we are choosing to be hopeful about the future of this new covenant body that is off to just a bigger start than anybody thought they were going to get. So in the midst of all this, we have a number of new ministries that we've done starting in the last year, as well as some continuing ministries that are continuing to grow and flourish. And so I'm going to tell you about them now. First one is our online ministry, which is uh, live streaming podcasts like the one you're listening to now and the Plain Spoken podcast. So when COVID came, 2020, and church attendance was strained for many churches, our church was constrained like many others to engage in online ministry. Our initial purchases were made to do the bare minimum of reaching out to not just the community region, uh, immediately around our building, but to potentially a much larger audience as well. So in 2021, we hired DJ Owens, who has since joined our membership and moved back to Nowata to be a part-time employee and to facilitate all things tech in our church. At the close of 2022, he and I renovated this classroom and we turned it into a studio. And since then, this studio has been used to conduct dozens of interviews with local people like Dane Warner, who is a film producer and Nowata native, who produced a movie called Full Court Press, The Ken Zacker Story, this year. We have also been able to host several in-person interviews with important people in the Global Methodist Church, including our own Bishop Scott Jones. Over time, we've been able to upgrade our recording gear such that we were able to create content that looks and sounds better than most very large churches. This ministry is employed not just during our Sunday worship services, when we broadcast our worship to a regular weekly crew of almost a dozen people, but almost every day of the week as we publish our church podcast as well as my plain spoken podcast. My understanding is that the church podcast, including the um, the, the video um, portions of our worship that we publish, are getting at this point over 50 views or listens a week, which is pretty good for our area. On a weekly basis at this point, our church is touching thousands of lives around the world through these different uh, media uh, outlets. For a more detailed report on the Plain Spoken Project and its significant growth and influence, I'm going to put a link, um, not in the show notes where you are, but if you go to the Substack article, you should find it there. So TJ, 
with the consultation from J.C. Campbell, another member, has built and maintained a professional infrastructure for the church, not just with a live stream set up in our sanctuary, but building and maintaining our website, keeping an inventory of all of our church resources. He's got a lot of his own property in the building here to help us get things done like needed. He maintains and grows our presence online. He also serves as a fantastic church photographer. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go to our Facebook page where he's posted a few albums in recent months. From the beginning of this ministry, it's been a real question. This is introspection time. If online engagement results in growing our church at all, either in faith or in numbers. To grow in faith, TJ has helped our church produce a great deal of content aimed at our church uh, body, growing in knowledge. I send out this content on a weekly basis on the church's weekly email list. If you haven't gotten on that, you can email me at pastor.rickman at gmail.com. I'll put you on that list. Um, To grow in numbers because of online activity is more difficult as the most effective member of growing the church's face-to-face encounters with people. Always has been, always will be. But many have come close to our church, at least partly because of our regular and approachable presence online. We surely have a lot of room to continue growing in this ministry. It would seem a lacking component, to my mind, is a person responsible for serving as a bridge between the, the real life and the virtual world. So TJ, he's not that guy. That's not what the church has hired him for. That's not what what he he is gifted for. We need someone who's willing to correspond with people, help them make a commitment to come in person, send them content and resources to equip them to join us in the mission. I'm going to talk about the entry point not being worship here in a bit, but uh, other entry points. So uh, stay tuned for that. As it stands, our church has 590 followers on Facebook and 99 subscribers on YouTube. These numbers will only continue to go up. There there are big churches in Tulsa that don't have 99 subscribers on YouTube. We're doing very well. Um, Because of the audience we've grown, in 2023, when we decided to raise funds to support the building of a permanent structure for a church in Abuja, Nigeria, we were able to raise more than $4,000 to that effect just by producing a video on the need. It is reasonable to think that future needs will similarly be met by effectively engaging our audience in this way. So that's that's one ministry. It's not didn't start in 2023, but man, did it grow in 2023. One that did start in 2023 is Bountiful Tables. So food is a big part of the Christian faith, whether it be the necessity of the Lord's Supper, the importance of regular fellowship meals, or the feeding of the poor and needy. When I moved here back in 2015 now, can you believe it's been that long? The Dinners with Love and Loaves with Fishes ministries were both in full swing. However, leadership for both ministries eventually either died or fell away when COVID came. Loaves and Fishes discontinued when leadership at the time grew frustrated with the lack of community involvement. Dinners with Love asked the church to transfer all of their funds to the local Boys and Girls Club, where they intended to continue preparing free meals for the benefit of Noada's poor families on a monthly basis. But our church's job to feed the poor and needy did not disappear. Even so, I was unclear on how our church needed to go about it. I have not felt good about the model that just delivers food to people's homes without building any kind of relationship. I don't like a model that does not effectively help these households work towards wholeness and and, um, holiness. At the start of this year, an idea of a mother's ministry aimed at feeding their families and the local poor and the needy took root in me. I eventually convinced the board to put aside some money alongside 
some other money I was able to raise to create temporary part-time employment for a local Christian friend and sister named Corey Davis who would coordinate this ministry. In that time, a solid group of almost a dozen women have been formed, which meets weekly on Mondays to cook several meals for their families in this space. The building is filled with children's laughter all day as their mothers cook, pray, laugh, and clean together. It's been a long time since the church space was used this way. Each day is concluded with a large shared meal at which it is normal to have around 40 people in attendance sometimes. The ministry has produced more than 3,000 meals in this time. It hasn't even been a full year. It's been like seven months, a little more than seven months, I think. 3,000 meals, which is, these meals are always healthier than the prepared meals one finds at the grocery store. These, te- these meals are often locally sourced. They're ethically grown or butchered and significantly cheaper than other options like HelloFresh. It is the cheapest, healthiest, best option for food locally. It is, it's an amazing ministry. The mothers who work in the kitchen pay just a little bit of money for their food. Members of the community who order meals pay a bit more. I think it's $4.50 a meal. The ministry also gives meals away to local needy whenever tragedy strikes. So whenever a family's home burned down, they give money to the family. Uh, just recently, um, a mother of two small children died, and they took food to that family. But even so, this is not a program in which everything is free. Hardly anything is free. Folks are able to maintain their dignity by paying a fair price and doing fair work. The long-term hope is that this restores a sense of self-worth to many mothers in particular who had forgotten how to do useful things. Uh, women who were just buying TV dinners and feeding their kids garbage can take pride in, in preparing food alongside other gar- godly women for their children, and husbands. In these almost nine months of ministry, okay, 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 I misremembered, it's an almost nine months of ministry, the cost of labor, food, and materials has been over $23,000. I don't think that'd surprise anybody. But at the close of this year, the ministry was able to recoup over $20,000 of that from the support of the community. The church is operating at a loss, yes, but as this ministry continues to grow and to impact more lives, it's reasonable to expect that it will eventually break even while simultaneously bringing people closer to Christ through food. I'm very happy with the leadership of this ministry. Um, The current leadership is very comfortable talking about Jesus, making him the center of everything they do. The ministry has a huge, obvious potential for bringing people closer to Christ. I believe it already has done in several ways. It does it through the local church, uh, repairing broken households and lives. There are many broken people who've come close to the church and found healing through this. God has been very active here. It's been amazing to behold. I would also be a bad pastor and bad friend if I didn't acknowledge Corey Davis. She's been a fantastic coordinator. She's worked harder to make this ministry succeed than anybody knows. She's done a better job than, honestly, I think anyone else could have. I don't think there's a single other person we could have hired that could have done a better job than her. As this current small break ends right now for for Christmas and New Year's, and the Bountiful Table Table's crew again convenes in the church kitchen on this coming Monday, they will be well positioned to do even more good work because of her excellent leadership. A couple more ministries to let you know about. Feel good about your connection here. One is the children's ministry. Our church's children's ministry fell apart in 2017 because it was unsustainable. In that time, we had we have had children in our church since then, but no organized ministry for teaching them good doctrine or socializing them in the faith. That changed this year as we finally resumed uh, midweek children's ministry program. We have a solid group of children who meet every Thursday 
every Thursday evening in our fellowship hall to memorize a catechism, study the Bible, sing, and play together. These children all attend Sunday morning worship with the assembled body of believers, with the adults. They participate in worship, prayer, and praise with us. They recite their catechism to the adults and preach to them and edify them in faith. They minister to us. It's a joyful and holy thing that very few churches do right. I think we're doing it right. I feel very good about what we're doing with children here. And for a fuller report on all those details, if you're interested in children's ministry, go to that Substack article. I'll have a link to an article I've written on, on more particulars. Our adult discipleship groups, they didn't begin in 2023 either. The children's group did, but the adult discipleship groups uh, began long ago. Uh, I hope they're remembered as a vital feature of my ministry here whenever I'm gone. Like all early Methodists, I and now many here know that Christian identity is most effectively formed in the midst of an intimate community of faith. The, community, the Christian faith is not meant to be done with a group on Sunday morning for one hour, followed by a whole week on one's own at home doing whatever they want. Rather, believers are required by Christ to walk in faith alongside other believers, carrying their burdens, rejoicing in their victories. If a church is not facilitating these kind of groups, it is not doing its job. And I'm hoping that there are clergy and leaders of other churches that are not doing this and that you feel convicted by this. You need to be doing this ministry. It's vital. I believe our church is doing its job. We have three women's group and one men's group that meet midweek on a weekly basis to do the, the hard work of true discipleship. These folks are growing in love and faithfulness. Remember, it was these groups that upheld our church through COVID. It is these groups that now compose the strongest fabric of our church. These bonds are real and strong and lasting, and Christ is in the midst of us in this. This level of intimate small group ministry is difficult as individuals regularly struggle and fail and sometimes fall away and sometimes die. We lost a dear sister just a couple months ago. There's a great capacity for harm, and there have been people come in and cause harm. But even so, there is also an infinite capacity for grace, forbearance, and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Despite the culture of our area being alienated and closed off to intimacy in, in any way resembling this, over time we have found people converting to the culture of Christ. Men and women who are learning to trust one another, to share honestly and earnestly, to hold themselves and other accountable lovingly, this is the heart of ministry. I feel great about the other things I've written about, but this is at the center of what we're called to do. It is this work that most effectively brings Christ into the lives of the people involved. I have nothing against worship or Bible study or any of these other groups, but these sorts of small groups I'm talking about here are where the difficult work of discipleship is actually done. I think they are the most vital part of ministry in the local church. I think that's why we see the form, but not the power of righteousness in the American church. It's because we have neglected these groups that are core and key to Methodism. My prayer is that we continue to see the growth and flourishing in groups like this, and that this becomes the actual entry point of new church people into the church rather than Sunday morning worship. I don't think, I don't think Sunday morning worship is the place for, for new people to come. I think that is the place for the, the covenant body to be. A new people need to come in through these small intimate groups. I would love nothing more than for the ministry of our church to be synonymous with accountable small group discipleship. 
So let's talk about the other things that most people expect to hear at a year-end report, uh, namely attendance and giving. Many churches that sustained through COVID were <clears throat> never able to bounce back very strong, but because of the solid people we have in this church, we barely missed a step. Challenges of political division and disaffiliation from the United Methodist Church have gutted many churches, not ours. Our bond is stronger, if anything. The highest point of attendance in my ministry was in 2018 when we averaged 63 a week in attendance. Since then, many have died or moved away. Today, a few who used to solidly attend are now sick and at home and not able to get out. Yet many younger folks have come uh, close to take their place. In-person attendance significantly decreased in 2020 for reasons we all remember. In 2022, the average attendance was down to 45 at the Nobata Church. This year, it came back up to 53. We're in a good upward trend, which I hope to continue in 2024 to fight despite many challenges that await us. It might be worth reporting that the average age of our worshiping body on any given Sunday is 47. That's the youngest it's ever been since I've been the pastor. Many younger and middle-aged couple and, couples and families have come in this year. We had our final worship service with another young couple taking great joy in our worship. 20 and 18 years old. With respect to our church's finances, I remember when I moved here again in 2015, the church was hemorrhaging $2,000 a month and folks were saying we would just have to close the doors if things did not turn around. Today, we sit in a very different position because of the faithful giving of our people. All eight years of my service here have been blessed with receiving more than we have spent. It is my intention to stay with that policy so that we're always spending out of our abundance. We're able to do more today with two part-time employees that we could not have afforded when I began because of this general policy. So what I'm saying is, whenever I first came here, we could not have hired two part-time staff. But because of the financial policy of accruing more than we are spending, we are able to actually spend more now, even though we're taking in about the same amount. So if you check the sub stack, you'll see two financial reports right next to each other. That's the January report from 2023 and the November report. We can't get <clears throat> the December one still isn't published. So you can see that our church leadership has wisely maintained our endowment fund. If you don't know what an endowment fund is, it's you can't ever touch the actual money, but it's invested in making money for the church. So we we get to touch uh, what, what, what the payoffs from that are. They've also began an investment fund. The building fund is obviously for renovation of the building and building projects on the, the Parsonage Church building. The directed fund has all of our miscellaneous and designated giving, including bountiful tables and plain spoken, which have Substack articles written about them as well. Um, I'll, I'll try and put links to them both there. The general budget is where all money automatically goes when it's given to the church when it gets below $10,000, we put more in from our investment fund to take it back up to $20,000. And we have had to do that a few times. The latest financials show a net loss of assets from the start of the year by about $23,000. December giving is almost always higher and it hasn't figured in here. So it's reasonable to expect that the church will get a little closer to breaking even, but it's, it, it isn't fun to close out the year lower than we began. One thing to consider is that we paid $67,000 to the Oklahoma Annual Conference this last year to cover financial uh, apportion, final apportionments and unfunded pension liabilities in May when we disaffiliated. Yet we've had <clears throat> we've closed out ahead in years before where we had lots of unexpected expenses akin to that amount. 
So hopefully the market will perform well and people will continue to give out of their abundance so that we're not looking at a reversal trend. Monthly giving has not gone down over the last year, but monthly expenses have gone up with the creation of these new part-time positions. One might look at the relatively high balances in some of these funds and conclude that our church needs to spend a lot more money because we have a lot. But if the church is going to remain a strong source of gospel truth and strength and activity for Noada in the generations to come, then we need to keep building and investing wisely. We, we should not just blow everything we've got. If we were to spend more than we currently are, then quite frankly, we could not be giving speeches at the front of the sanctuary. Oh, no, then we could again be giving speeches at the front of the sanctuary saying people need to give more or else the church will need to close its doors. You'd be amazed at how fast a church can blow its money if it's not governed wisely. Luckily, you have very wise leaders in this church. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about our church board. So let's talk about some plans for the future, some hopes for the future. It's hard to enjoy ministry for anyone in the church when the funds are dropping and folks aren't sure if the doors can stay open. It has been a long time since our church has had to say or even think anything dramatic like that. We aren't anywhere close to that today. We're nowhere close to that today. Even so, we need to make sure to continue growing our financial capacity for the sake of future ministry. As I recently stated in worship, folks at every stage of life need to be considering the establishment of a personal trust or will so as to bless the church when they pass. Sarah Beth and I recorded a recollection of that process when we did that. We, a lot of our money is going to the church when we die. Uh, we pray that others will also come to love their church enough to do the same. So I've got a link to that video if anybody wants to watch it. It's worth reminding ourselves that money is not entrusted to, to us by God in order for us to spend it on ourselves. Rather, the funds and resources we're given are for God's glory and for the care of the poor. If you didn't see my presentation in worship a couple of years ago, you should know it is my intention to form intentional communities of men and women in poverty who need to get their lives together here in Nowata. Nowata County needs a benevolent institution like that in order to affect change in the lives of many chronically addicted and vulnerable families. Our church needs to build up our ability to eventually host such a ministry. It, I'm, I'm tired of being uh, impotent against these large problems. We need to build up our muscle. And in the meantime, we need to expand and buttress the ministries we already have. Bountiful Tables has a lot of capacity for growth, as does our video production ministry. There are other children and families that would easily make a, a fine home in our small groups and ministries. We need to maintain what we're doing with quality while building out our capacity. I envision a future in which our church employs many more individuals who interact with the community and world around us, creating a synergy between our various ministries to form authentic disciples of Jesus Christ with staying power in this community. Not a flash in the pan, not something where we step, step up and then fade away. It's depressingly common in today's America for people who say they are Christians to know very little of doctrine and discipline. We cannot be guilty of enabling that in our sphere of influence. We need to, to be salt and light in a bland and dark world. As the level of commitment to our church continues to deepen, and as we're entrusted with time and attention, not just of children, but of adults in our midst, we should anticipate seeing an increased knowledge of and zeal for the Lord. As pastor, I will continue to intentionally teach historic Christian doctrine in the Methodist tradition with the full expectation that people not only learn but practice what is taught. 
Lives will continue to be transformed and in greater numbers than before. I want to acknowledge the number of friends we've lost over the years. In 2023, we lost Jim Patton and Nona Harris and Jill Seal. I considered each of these my friends. They were all three quality people who at their best loved and resembled Jesus and were wonderful representatives of our church. As we continue forward into the future, we honor the legacies of those who've gone before, including these three. May God bless their memories in our midst. God willing, we will make a great many more saints before Christ comes again in glory. On a personal note, I've given eight and a half years of my life to this church. It's been the best years of my life. I love this church and the Delaware church. I love the people here. I love the life we've created here. God is doing wonderful and amazing things here. I, I, w I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to do anything else. It's been wonderful being here. I'm looking forward to serving in this capacity, God willing, for many more years. To that end, thank you for the support you've given me and my ministry here. Let's continue to pray together for God's blessings to be showered upon this place and these people.